Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Dr. Michael Wong is a Melbourne surgeon who was stabbed 14 times. He remembers every second. His knife was coming down towards my left eye. If I pass out, I'm sure the outcome will be certain death. This is... How I Survived, stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I Survived. Peeking in on his soundly sleeping kids on a perfect summer's morning, neurosurgeon Dr. Michael Wong quietly shut the door behind him, kissed his wife goodbye, then drove to the busy public hospital outside of Melbourne, Australia, where he worked. I parked my car outside in the car park and I got my bag and I start then uh, walking into the foyer of the hospital. I pull my phone out and start uh, looking for my registrar's number and start calling him to see if there is any patients uh, on the ward that I need to see and uh, before I go to clinic. And as I was uh, searching for his name and pressed the dial button on the on my mobile phone, then I felt this uh, strong sudden push uh, on my back. It's almost like a punch, but it's almost like someone basically, you know, hit me really hard on the back. And my uh, split second instinct was I thought that there were some uh, kids mucking around and somehow just accidentally pushed me. For a moment, everything went black. But as Michael came to his senses, glanced down and saw blood pooling at his feet, he realised with horror that he was under attack. In the middle of a busy hospital foyer, he'd been stabbed in the back with a 19 centimetre knife. Slipping in his own blood, Michael fell to the ground. Dropping his phone, the call he was making went unanswered and was captured on voicemail. Message received at 8.32am on the 18th of February. Then I saw this uh, attacker then jump on top of me and start um, stabbing me with with a knife. And uh, that's when I sort of like, uh, try to push him away, try to defend myself. You really don't feel any pain. And at the same time, you don't really feel fear either. You know, you, you have this uh, instinctive response that you want to get away. It's almost like if you're being attacked by a wild animal. It was on top of me and I saw his uh, knife coming down towards my left eye. I thought, 
that's not such a good idea because uh, firstly I'll be blind secondly and the brain is actually behind the eye so if the knife actually come through my the eye it would definitely go into my brain and and I definitely will be in serious trouble or even died the brain works in a very mysterious way and thought comes in very split microseconds and at, at that moment I also thought to myself that if I had a brain injury in this hospital I'm actually the only neurosurgeon there that morning and that wouldn't be such a good idea either because otherwise there's no one that can come to my aid. So as the attacker drove the glinting knife down towards Michael's eye, at the very last instant he turned his head bearing the brunt of the blade's tip on his skull. Shortly after that, I was able to use my legs to kick him and, and to push him back. That's when I saw someone throw a, a sign uh, at him. I think also there is a, another person that throw a backpack at him and that was just that um, you know, split second of distraction. At that uh, instant that I felt there is a, a tuck uh, behind my, uh, my collar and someone then pulled me all the way into the uh, emergency department, literally pulled me on the floor because I was full of blood. It was actually so slippery. <laughs> it almost like I just slide down the corridor. I saw these uh, really bad cuts on my hand and then I saw, you know, my legs were bleeding and I just thought to myself, what a mess. And, uh, and I knew I'm going to need some help to, to have someone to put me back together. Once I was in the emergency department, then they put me on a hospital trolley. And, uh, and then people start yelling. There was a lot of nurses and doctors around me. Then I just yelled to them, call my wife. And, uh, and as they pushed me out of the emergency department and into the lift, and I saw my registrar on the corridor. And, and uh, I still remember the um, horrifying look on his face. He lost almost all his blood, but colleagues dragged him to the emergency department and he was taken straight into theatre. As I was uh, well into the uh, operating theatre today, uh, then uh, cut all my clothes away and stripped me naked so they can see all the injury. Stabbed 14 times in the back, face, chest, hands, forearm, torso, stomach and legs. The sting as antiseptic was splashed onto Michael's open wounds was excruciating. Put to sleep, part of his lung was removed to stem bleeding and three plastic surgeons worked to repair severed tendons in his arms and hands. He'd lost his entire supply of blood. As the sedation started to wear off, Michael woke with a breathing tube lodged in his throat. And I remember my wife was there and she told me everything will be okay. And I remember the first time that I actually fully regained consciousness and I saw uh, there was a clock uh, on the wall about two o'clock in the morning. It was all dark around me. I, I realized then, you know, firstly, I'm alive, I'm still here. And, uh, and the first thing I do then was to uh, move my arms and legs on both sides because uh, as a neurosurgeon that has an understanding of the brain the worst fear that we always have is stroke and as i move my arms and legs on both sides then i realized that everything is actually working and, and then the funny thing then i thought to myself is that oh great now i don't have to be on call anymore and uh, and it was one of those silly thoughts that you know uh, now i have a legitimate reason that i have to take some holiday 
Michael certainly deserved a break, but who on earth would want him dead? Turns out a 48-year-old man had been arrested and charged with attempted murder. Karim al-Salami was one of Dr Wong's patients. He was paranoid and schizophrenic and incorrectly believed Dr Wong had caused his chronic pain. Al-Salami sat in the foyer with a knife waiting for the surgeon before pouncing. Thankfully for Michael, brave bystanders had put themselves in danger to save him. Courageously, a nurse had waved a bag at al-Salami to try and keep him at bay, while a leukaemia patient threw a backpack at him, only to have the knife turned on them. Then, a medical equipment technician grabbed an A-frame sign and ran into the fray screaming as Michael was dragged to safety. Without their courage, he'd have died. But Michael's proximity to medical help saved him too. If it didn't happen at the hospital where they can immediately take me into the emergency department and take me to the theatre, I would have died. I would have died simply of blood loss. Instead, the brave dad walked out of hospital six days later. I was able to walk, but my uh, hands were in splint. I could not uh, dress myself. I couldn't even uh, open a doorknob. Uh, by myself and uh, so I basically need help with uh, uh, everything uh, during that uh, first six weeks. At the time my son was in primary school, um, you know, he helped me um, like, you know, when I need to go to the bathroom, he actually helped me to undo the buttons on my pants. When the splints came off after six weeks, Michael worked with a hand therapist to rebuild his strength. Miraculously, just three months after the attack, he had full use of his hands and was able to work as a surgeon again. While crowds scared him and he didn't like people walking behind him, Michael's real scars were physical, not emotional. Many people have asked me after the, uh, the attack, you know, I must have uh, uh, bad psychological scars, I must have this sort of post-traumatic stress disorder, must have bad dreams and flashback and all that. And I look at all of them, I said, no, I don't. And um, I suppose uh, we all respond to uh, traumatic events in, in different ways and we all cope in different ways. And being a, a, a busy neurosurgeon, uh, throughout my career, I have seen really, really bad things happen to innocent, good people. It's not a lot that we can do about it, but the thing to do is to, to survive it well with a degree of dignity and courage and, and to move on and make tomorrow a better day. In December 2015, nearly two years after the attack, Kareem al-Salami appeared at Victoria's Supreme Court. The judge heard that in 2012, Dr Michael Wong had successfully operated on al-Salami's spine. Due to his then undiagnosed paranoid schizophrenia, he'd gradually developed delusional beliefs that the operation had gone wrong. Al-Salami had psychotic episodes and hallucinations before yelling, bastard, I kill you, and stabbing Dr. Wong repeatedly. Six months on, Al-Salami was found not guilty due to his mental impairment. Dr. Michael Wong confronted the man who tried to kill him in the hospital where he worked tirelessly to save others. Al-Salami was sentenced by a Supreme Court judge to 25 years, which he'll serve in the Thomas Embling High Security Psychiatric Hospital. The father of two has since forgiven his attacker, even though he almost paid the ultimate price. I'm not angry at him, so you've got to give him a bit of a break too.
And I, I'm certain that he was not getting the help that he needed before all this happened. I wanted him to uh, be able to receive the help that he needed. Michael was also desperate to improve security for staff in hospitals. Now, Dr Wong is campaigning for sweeping changes, more security guards at hospitals, separate entrances for staff and locked wards with swipe-only access. The thought never left my mind is that it would happen again. And if it happens again, the next victims would not be this lucky. Sadly, he was right. Dr Wong was already intent on pressuring the government for tighter hospital security when another surgeon was attacked, and this time it was fatal. Dr Patrick Pritzwald Stegman died after being punched in the head by a hospital visitor who was smoking and had been asked to put it out. He was king hit and he then uh, fell to the ground and uh, then suffered a uh, severe brain uh, injury and subsequently died. And when the news came to me, I, it really hit me very hard. He uh, was about the same age as me and also uh, he had two uh, young girls. The thought never left my mind that, you know, uh, I could have died. Since my injury, sometimes I would sit at the dining table and looking at my wife and my kids being happy, giggling, you know, mucking around. And sometimes I just had this split thought that, you know, uh, I could be in a parallel universe, that I actually was killed in the attack, and that, you know, I would be missing. These kids, you know, would be growing up without their father. I remind myself the how precious life is, how precious the people around you are, and uh, and really don't take it for granted. The fact that I survived is a miracle. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and we'll bring you more incredible stories of survival. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. Next time... It felt like tight, like pulling me. It was so strong that it just pulled me in the water. So I put my hand up. It was pretty gruesome, um, like a lot of blood. Like 10 seconds earlier, I was on the boat with two hands and like 10 seconds after, I had one hand. How I Survived. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.